Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death construction. In the fields of bodies burning. As the war machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Here we are on the Anarchist World This Week. Now, boys and girls, this program is pre-recorded. No, I'm not dead. I'm taking two weeks off. So there's not going to be any scintillating analysis. Not that it's ever scintillating. It's pretty boring, but no analysis today. As far as I'm concerned, the world could have come to an end, and I know nothing about it. So it's pre- So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at some activities that we've got planned for you to become involved in in the next uh, few months. Now, while everybody else is winding down as the end of the year crops up, we're actually getting into top gear. So the first thing I'd like to talk about is Peter Norman Day, Human Rights Day. You say, Peter Norman? Did you mean Greg Norman? No, no, I'm talking about Peter Norman. And this year, as we've done over the past three years, we'll be holding a small gathering to mark Peter Norman Day. So who's Peter Norman? Peter Norman, the 1968 Olympic 200 metres silver medalist, supported these two American Olympic medalists when they gave the Black Power salute at the Mexico Olympics. Remember that historic image? There were three people on the dais in Mexico 1968. Two gave the Black Power salute. One stood there with a little badge attached to his uh, tracksuit. Now, Peter Norman was a great Australian who's been written out of the history books. Written out. Not only was he written out of the history books, he was a, a local lad born in Coburg. He has been forgotten. And on Friday the 9th of October, which is only a few weeks away, at Human Rights Square, we are... Uh, changed the name of the Melbourne City Square to Human Rights Square after Occupy Melbourne in 2011 and 2012 at the corner of Little Collins Street and Swanson Street, Melbourne. Midday, Friday, 9th of October. We're there, as I said before, to honour a great Australian who's been written out of the history books. So who's Peter Norman? It's about time the Australian Parliament, on behalf of the Australian people, issued a posthumous apology to Peter George Norman the Australian 1968 Mexico Olympics 200-metre silver medalist, who paid an extraordinary personal price for supporting universal human rights. Peter, born in 1942, 
grew up in Coburg in Melbourne. He represented Australia in the 200 metres in the 1968 Mexico Olympics. He won silver in a time of 20.06 seconds. And when you compare the 19.91 seconds which uh, Mr Bolt just ran, you can actually see that little has changed over 50 years. The 20.06 seconds is a time that has never been beaten by an Australian athlete. 47 years later. 47 years. There has not been one Australian athlete who has actually been able to better Peter Norman's 1968 silver medal performance in the Mexico Olympics. The gold medalist Tommy Smith and the bronze medalist John Carlos Afro-Americans caught up in the civil rights movement asked Norman whether he believed in human rights and whether he believed in God. He answered yes to both questions. The Americans told him they would use the medal presentation to promote their cause. He told them, I'll stand with you. Because if those of you are old enough to remember 1968, remember the southern USA and many US cities were burning, burning to the ground as Afro-Americans exercised their right to abolish a racist system. On the way to the medal ceremony, Norman asked the United States Royal Paul Hoffman if he could wear the badge he was wearing, a badge that supported the Olympic Project for Human Rights. While Smith and Carlos gave the Black Power salute, Norman stood on the dais wearing the Olympic Project for Human Rights badge to publicly demonstrate his solidarity with their protest. Retribution by the Australian Olympic Committee was swift and brutal. Norman was reprimanded for his actions. The media in Australia ostracised him when he came home. The the Australian Olympic track team refused to send him to Munich in 1972 despite Norman posting Olympic qualifying times in both the 100 and 200 metres. The 1972 Olympics was the first time since 1896, the beginning of the modern Olympics, that Australia had not been represented in the sprints. Salt was rubbed into the open wound in 2000 when the Australian Olympic Committee did not invite him to participate in the celebration surrounding the Sydney Olympics. Think about it. It was only 15 years ago, the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. We had all this hullabaloo, all these special guests. But Peter Norman, arguably one of the greatest athletes in this country's history, arguably, you know, a beacon for human rights, for universal human rights, was not invited to the celebrations in Sydney in 2000 by the Sydney Olympics Committee. When the United States field and track team found out that Peter Norman had not been invited, he was invited to attend as a guest of the United States track and field team. An honoured guest. Peter Norman died of a heart attack, some say a broken heart, aged 64 on the 3rd of October 2006, a disillusioned man. 
Both Tommy Smith and John Carlos attended his funeral in Melbourne, acting as pallbearers and delivering eulogies to a great Australian who had been ostracised and forgotten by a nation that continues to give lip service to human rights. The US Track and Field Federation, the United States Track and Field Federation, realising the personal cost Peter, Moore, Peter Norman bore throughout his life because of his brave, dignified and moral stand in the struggle for universal human rights, declared the 9th of October, the day of his funeral in 2006, as Peter Norman Day. A day that is celebrated in the United States and ignored in this country, lest we forget. That's what we do to our heroes and heroines. We forget them. We forget them. As long as they, you know, follow the script, we remember them, honour them. But when they, you know, diverse from the script, move away from the script, they're forgotten, humiliated, ostracised. This is a common thing that occurs in the history of this country, where it's the denial of the, of the brutality of the colonisation process, the denial of land rights to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. Whatever it is, we are big on denial in this country. So it's about time that people recognise this day. So join us at midday, Friday the 9th of October, in the Melbourne City Square at, at the corner of Little Collins and Swanson Street and celebrate Peter Norman Day. Well, one of us celebrates the day here in this country, Peter Norman's contribution to human, the human rights struggle in this struggle, in this country will not be forgotten. This is the Anarchist World this week. As I said before, the program is pre-recorded. No, I'm not dead. I'm uh, taking a two weeks break. So this week and next week, the programs will be pre-recorded. Next week, I'll be doing a special, uh, program on a play that, um, is finally coming to the stage, which I've written. And, uh, it should be an interesting, uh, program. But, uh, this week, we will uh, talk about things that are coming up. Now, I'd just like to remind you once again about the West Papua Independence Movement Rent Collective. They had a successful day on the 13th of Sunday, the 13th of September. Uh, they will be having another gathering for Rent Collective members and uh, supporters on the uh, 13th of December. So we'll let you know more about that. But let's not forget that the West Papua Independence Movement Rent Collective pays the rent for offices for the West Papua Independence Movement. So the West Papua Independence activists in this country can actually focus on the struggle for West Papua Independence, an exceptionally important struggle. And if you want to join the West Papua Independence Rent Collective, Leave a message on 0439 395 489 or write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052 or email me at at com. Now, another special day the Annex Institute has, has uh, organised is Francesco Fantine Day. Yeah, never heard of the Francesco Fantine? Well, if you're a regular listener to the program, you may have. So we encourage you to join us at 10am on Sunday the 8th of November at the Murchison Cemetery in Willoughby Street, Murchison in Victoria. To pay our respects to Francesco Fantin, 
and then for a picnic by the river. Now, Murchison is about 150 kilometres from uh, Melbourne. It's a great day, Sunday the 8th of November. And what actually happens on that day? The uh, bones of Italian prisoners of war and internees who died during Second World War in Australia have been uh, all transferred to the Murchison Cemetery where they're housed. And Francesco Fantin, who was murdered at Camp Loveday in South Australia in 1942, an anarchist, an atheist, an anti-fascist, an anti-militarist, is buried at the Murchison Cemetery. The bones of Francesco and over 220 Italian prisoners of war and internees who died in Australian camps during the Second World War are deposited in an Italian war cemetery at Murchison in Victoria. On on the Sunday nearest Armistice Day, or the second Sunday in November, people from around Australia come to pay their respects. The crypt, where their bones are housed, is open once a year after a ceremony and a mass and a Catholic mass organised by the Italian government and community. This year, as we did last year, a small contingent of anarchists and supporters will be going to the ceremony to pay their respects. So please join us at 10am on Sunday, the 8th of November at Murchison Cemetery. Francesco Fantin immigrated to Australia in 1924. The young anarchists fled Italy two years after Mussolini's fascists seized power in 1922. Fearing for his life, he fled to Australia. He threw himself into anti-fascist activity in Australia and with the aid of Francesco Camagnola and Valentino Cicotti opened the Matteotti Club in the Horticultural Hall in Victoria Parade which is located opposite the Trades Hall in March, in Melbourne in March 1927 to act as an anti-fascist centre Matteotti, Matteotti was a parliamentarian killed by Mussolini's fascists when the club closed as a consequence of the depression Francesco Fantin moved to North Queensland working on farms and sawmills as a labourer he continued to identify as an anarchist with the help of other Italian anti-fascists he made life difficult for fascist officials in Australia who were trying to recruit Italians living in Australia into their ranks. The outbreak of World War II resulted in the internment of Italian fascist sympathisers and Nazi sympathisers. The racism endemic in Australia in the 1940s meant that nearly every Italian immigrant was considered to be a fascist. From a population of just 30,000 Italians, 5,000 Italians were interned during the war and another 10,000 were removed from their homes and forced to work on government construction jobs. The highest rate of internment of Italians anywhere among the Allies. Fantine was arrested as an enemy alien in February at Edmonton outside Cairns and arrived at Camp Lovedale in South Australia on the 28th of February 1942. 
Over 350 Italian fascists were interned with about 60 Italian anti-fascists. Fantine was marked for special intention by the fascists and was regularly attacked and beaten for his anti-fascist views. On the 16th of November 1942, while stooping down to get a drink from a tap, Fantine was beaten to the ground by a man wielding a 4 by 2 by 2 a piece of wood. When he fell to the ground, the beating continued. He died several hours later of his injuries. Giovanni Cassetti was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to two years' imprisonment for Fantine's murder. Fantine's body was buried in a grave outside Camp Loveday. In the middle of the 1960s, his body, with the bodies of other Italian prisoners of war and internees, who had died in Australia during World War II, were disinterred and placed in an ossuary at Murchison in Victoria. Fantine divorced soon after he married in Italy. He had no children. His true brothers, Alfonso and Luigi, are long gone. His sister-in-law, Mrs. Enos Giavoli, his only living relative, was 90 in 2007, when she, she was interviewed over an eight-year period by Dr. George Venturini, Venturini for his book Never Give In which looks at the lives of three Italian anti-fascist exiles in Australia. Fantine was described as a kind, rigorous, restless, gentle, but determined human being. Francesco Fantine lives in our hearts. His ideas live in our hearts. One day, we will create that new world in Fantine's heart. Rest in peace, Francesco Fantine. We will not forget your sacrifice. If you want further information, you can go to the website www.q7461, fantin, f-a-n-t-i-n dot org, www.q7461, fantin, f-a-n-t-i-n dot org. So we remember Francesco Fantine, anarchist, atheist, anti-fascist, anti-militarist. Murdered at Camp Lovedale in South Australia. And why do we remember? Why do we remember so long? Because it's fascinating, isn't it? Classical story. Classical story. Here we have men and women who left Italy after battling fascism for years. Committed anti-fascists who came to this country and continued to have that anti, continue that anti-fascist struggle. When the war broke out, all Italians, all Japanese, all Germans were considered to be, you know, tarred with the same brush. And many of them were interned across the country. But the tragedy in this case is that we had sworn enemies, fascists and anti-fascists interned together by the Australian authorities who judged people on their racial, on their uh, country of origin, not who they were and what they had done. It's a travesty that this man lost his life. A man who over a 18 year period had made a significant contribution to life in this country. A cane cutter in North Queensland. A woolen mill worker in Geelong. So we remember him on the day. So we encourage you. If you're a radical activist, you're an anarchist, we encourage you to join us at 10am on Sunday, the 8th of November at Murchison Cemetery. I mean, you can sit, you can come a bit later if you wish. But once the ceremony is, the official ceremony is finished, 
we make our ceremony to Francesco Fantin and then go to the riverbank for a picnic. So bring food and drinks on the day. That website, www.q7461fantine.org. As I said before, this program is pre-recorded. I'm not here. So I'm talking about things that have caught my fancy, things that have been organised, things that you know we encourage people to get involved in. Public interests before corporate interests. Who are they? I'm sure you're sick of it by now. I'll tell you something about it. What are the aims of public interests before corporate interests? We... That's right, we are the people we've been waiting for. What are the aims? We aim to ensure the interests of the Australian public are put before the interests of unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. That tiny section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication have become so powerful they are instrumental in setting the parliamentary agenda and determining who governs us. It's time. Public interests were put before corporate interests. Membership. Membership is open to people of all religious beliefs and those who have no religious beliefs. We welcome people of all races, nationalities, genders and sexual orientation. We believe all human beings are born with inalienable rights and liberties no government can legislate away or corporations take away. So we are looking, actively looking to recruit people into public interest before corporate interest because we are the people we've been waiting for. Public interest before corporate interest is a political party that uses electoral politics, standing candidates in both the House of Representatives and the Senate federal elections, non-violent direct action, protests, vigils, petitions, strikes, occupations, community boycotts to put public interest before corporate interests. As I said before, this is an organisation which is attempting to roll back the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation juggernaut. Roll it back, dismantle it, destroy it that has been active in this country since the 11th of November 1975. Now, public interest before corporate interest has had a number of successful public meetings. It has almost 200 members. We are trying to get recruit over 500 members by the end of the year so we can register as a political party before the laws are changed to make it difficult, if not impossible, for minor parties to be registered and take part in electoral politics. We're not just fixated on electoral politics, it is just one strategy. Public interest before corporate interest is an organisation that is devoted to ensuring that the interests of the community at large are put before the interests of sectional interests, corporations, political parties that work in the corporation's favour. That's what it's about. We have a number of branches. Branch in Frankston, branch in Hastings. We have a Melbourne North branch. So if you want further information, go to the website, pibci.net, P-I-B-C-I.net, pibci.net. 
You can email us at info at pibci.net. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can telephone us on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. Think about it. I mean, Australians are great at complaining. They're great at putting their hand out when it comes to benefits. But they seem to have some type of aversion to actually getting involved in struggles which make us an egalitarian community. I think it's important that we uh, look at that struggle. Now, there are people come and go. I know it's a horrible thing to say, but people come and go. And in the radical lexicon, there are people who make contributions to improving the life of all Australians, to improving the life of everybody that lives on this continent. They are forgotten, like Peter Norman, ostracised, set apart, ignored. There is nobody there to remember the contribution they have made. Nobody there to remember that contribution. So on the 3rd of December, the Anarchist Media Institute, through the Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations, honours these forgotten Australians. People whose actions reflect the sentiments that are expressed in the Eureka Oath. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. And on the 3rd of December, once again for the 13th year in a row, we will be holding, the Annex Institute will be holding, the Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations in Ballarat. And we encourage you to take part in these celebrations from 4am to 10pm. 4am to 10pm. We encourage you to take place. The Eureka Dawn Ceremony, 4am at Eureka Park at the corner of Stall and Eureka Streets in Ballarat. 4am where we get together. We honour the memory of those who 161 years ago were slaughtered at that very site where we gather to protect their rights and liberties. We remember them and we will continue to remember them. We remember their radical contribution because it's very, what happens these days is that people like to remove the radical content of struggle. They see the Eureka Rebellion as some, you know, some type of little revolt. But the Eureka Rebellion transformed this nation. It forced governments around the country to take into account people's wishes. They understood that they could not put down a popular revolt with force. And for decades after, for decades after the Eureka Rebellion, it had ramifications for politics and for ordinary life in this country. The Eureka Rebellion was about direct democracy, direct action. It was about internationalism. It was about solidarity. 
And there is nothing purer in terms of the radical struggle than the Eureka Oath. We, we, not God or the Australian people or the Irish people or the Swazi people, but we, we, the human race, we swear by the Southern Cross, not a religious symbol. These were men and women who were camped on the plains around Ballarat and they knew they were in the southern hemisphere. They knew they were in a new country. They knew they were in a new continent because they saw the southern cross in the sky, a constellation that is only seen in the southern hemisphere. We swear by the southern cross to stand truly by each other. Solidarity. To stand truly by each other and Fight to defend our rights and liberties. So on the 3rd of December, once again, we will honour the men and women who paid the ultimate price to ensure that we enjoy many of the freedoms we take for granted today. Men and women, men who are buried in the Eureka Cemetery. At 4am, we have, as I said, the dawn ceremony. At about 6am when the sun breaks, we break up for breakfast at Eureka Hall. At 9am, we march, walk from Eureka Hall at the corner of Eureka and Stall Streets in Ballarat all the way to, we walk into Ballarat. We're at Bakery Hill, a little area which is left, a little area of greenery and rose bushes and a flagpole with the Southern Cross in it, a little area which was going to be taken over by McDonald's in the 70s and if it wasn't for the green bands which were applied by the much maligned Builders Labourers Federation, Bakery Hill would not exist today. It would be covered in shops and houses. And Bakery Hill in Ballarat was the place where diggers took the Eureka Oath. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties on the 29th of November 1854. And at Bakery Hill, we will be giving out six Eureka Australia Day medals. Six Eureka Australia Day medals. And I encourage you now, before the end of, uh, before the middle of November, I encourage you before the 5th of November to send us the names, address, contact, de- names, contact details and a paragraph or two about somebody who you believe should receive the Eureka Australia Day Medal to honour them for their contribution to the struggle for universal rights, to the struggle for economic equality in this country. You either email it to us at anarchistage at yahoo.com or mail it to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. From Bakery Hill, we walk down the main road to Ballarat City Hall. And I know you'll find this incredible, but never in the 161-year history of the Ballarat City Council has the Eureka flag been flown on the main flagpole over the Ballarat City Hall. Extraordinary, isn't it? Not even during the 100th anniversary celebrations in 2004. 
Never. Never been flown. This is a city that has forgotten its history. This is a city that's forgotten its radical roots. This is a history which profits from the Eureka legend but refuses to honour these men and women by refusing to declare a public holiday on the 3rd of December, by refusing to put up the Eureka flag on the main flagpole. This is the type of city we are. And on the day, we will have the Bill Della Stump Orations. Bill Della, who is well known to listeners of Community Radio 3CR, was an activist who took, who was an Eureka Australia Day, Day medalist who took part in the Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations. Who, when he died, the YouTube film of his Eureka Stump oration paid homage to the type of human being he was. So we will march there, we'll get there about 12 o'clock. 11.30.12 and then from there we'll walk to the old Eureka Cemetery, the old Ballarat Cemetery to honour those men who are interned in that mass grave, only some of those who died during the battle who are interned in that mass grave in the old Ballarat Cemetery and from there we will walk back to the uh, MADE you like that? It's the uh, Eureka Democracy Museum. That's right. M-A-D-E. Eureka Democracy. In many ways, the Eureka legend, the concepts, the radical ideas behind the Eureka Rebellion have been sanitised, whitewashed, buried, forgotten. But we will go to that museum to look at the Eureka flag the original Eureka flag and resurrect those ideas then back back to Eureka Park for a late lunch and conversation and then at 7.30pm that night we'll be meeting at the Eureka Stockade Hotel at Eureka Street in Ballarat to get together for the annual Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion Dinner we'll have guest speakers Entertainment, and I'll tell you more about that as we get close to the day. So if you want more information, if you want to download the posters and use them, you know, uh, for your own benefit and the benefit of your friends, if you want to invite people, now's the time. Go to the website, anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org. Download what you want. Now is the time. And if you don't want to stand up all night at the Eureka Australia Day, at the Eureka Dinner, Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion Dinner. I suggest you pre-book. There's only about 90 seats available. Ring me up on 0439 395 489 and book. No booking fee. There's no entry fee. You pay for what you eat and drink. Everybody's responsible for what they eat and drink. You pay for what you eat and drink. The Black Orchids, the West Papua Black Orchid String Band will be providing entertainment on the evening. And the uh, head of the Trades and Labor Council for Ballarat and Western Victoria will be talking about, as is the guest speaker, Brett is the guest speaker. And Brett's topic is 
the relevance of the Eureka Rebellion to the 21st century union movement. So as I said, there's lots of things in the store, and there's more. (laughs) We'll throw in a steak knife. I'll talk to you about that next week. There's more. Don't forget, resist Murdoch's Minions legislative agenda campaign. On the first Friday of the month at 11.30, we congregate at Federation Square in Melbourne and then walk across to the Herald and Weekly Time buildings to make our feelings known on the day, to make our feelings known about what we think of these tax minimisers, these tax avoiders, News Corporation, 21st Century Fox, do it all legally, get $186 million tax refunds legally. Join us there. As I said before, and there's also the Wednesday Action Group. Every Wednesday, somebody in the city, look up their Facebook page, Wednesday Action Group, somewhere in the city, the Wednesday Action Group is reclaiming public space, putting forward ideas about a corruption commission, about a new people's bank, about a 1% turnover tax, about a defend and extend Medicare campaign, and the list goes on and on. It goes on and on and on. So you can sit at home, look at the lint in your belly button, or you can become involved. Many areas to become involved. You don't have to be a millionaire to become involved. We don't want your money. We don't want your body. We don't want your soul. But what we want is your commitment to making this a better world, not just for yourself and the people around you, but for future generations because we seem to have forgotten. We seem to have forgotten how we made that better world. Now, Regular listeners to the Anarchist World this week would remember Jerry Harrant or Ned Lund. Now, Jerry died on the 27th of May 2015. And on the 29th of August 2015, an obituary appeared in the Melbourne, Fairfax Age, the Melbourne Age, Jerry. And I wrote that obituary. I'd just like to... uh, Share Jerry's life with you. Because there are many Jerry Harrants in this world. Many men and women who made a contribution. Whose names will never appear in the history books. Who've been written out of the history books. Who've made a significant contribution. Who haven't limited their life to doing the best for their family and friends. Who have actually... taken in the whole community who've done their best for that whole community not just sectional interests and Jerry Harrant was such a man in 1973 while manager of a research and development team at Repco Jerry Harrant won a Prince Philip Award for design for a high speed cold extrusion press a staunch Republican he told everybody, everyone, he would hang his award certificate in the toilet at his Blackburn home. Harrant, born in Vienna, said his sky fell in the day he and brother Hines were put aboard a train carrying Jewish children to safety 
from the Nazis in 1938. Jerry was fostered by a family in Dublin, Ireland, and completed his matriculation at Trinity College there. Hines was fostered by a London family. Their parents, Richard and Valerie, were reunited with the boys in London sometime later. Their train to a new life had been arranged by the Central British Fund for German Jewry and the Quakers. And it was the Quakers and the boys' foster families who helped pay the boys' fares when the family migrated to Australia in 1939. They arrived in Fremantle, West Australia, on the 29th of August, five days before British Prime Minister Chamberlain declared war on Germany. Jerry Harrod, an atheist, was forever grateful to the Quakers for helping his family escape the gas chambers. A practical teenager, Jerry found work with his brother making radio sets for Radio Corporation Melbourne. He was puzzled and saddened by the reaction of some Melburnians to him during the war years. Some of them spat and shouted at him due to his European appearance and style of dress or when they heard his foreign accent. A bright and resilient teenager, he shrugged off these setbacks and immersed himself in the life of his new home. The family based themselves in Paran in Melbourne. Harrant joined the Young Austria Youth Group in Melbourne and became involved in the Melbourne art and dance scene. He played the piano, a talent inherited from his father Richard, and met his future wife Vilma in 1944 through the Melbourne Bushwalkers Club. Harrant became a member of the new theatre club in Flinders Street, Melbourne in 1941-42, providing the sound and lighting for many of the new theatre's innovative performance pieces. He joined the Australian Communist Party about the same time, resigning in 1956 as a consequence of the Soviet Union's invasion of Hungary. Vilma and Jerry married in 1948, initially living with Jerry's parents in Paran until they moved to their house among the orchards in Blackburn. Jerry and Vilma struggled to get to and from their home riding their 250 DKW motorbike as the area tended to become a muddy bog when it rained. They lived in the same house for 67 years. Harrant, an engineer, was employed within the manufacturing sector throughout his working life. He worked as an electronics technician, lead engineer and research and development manager with firms such as Rubbertex, Dynavac and Repco Research. He led a full life, working full-time while helping care for his daughter Christine, who was born in 1965. He was a founding member of the Realist Film Association and the highly successful 1952 Alinda Film Festival, which morphed into the Melbourne Film Festival in 1953. He is instrumental in reinvigorating Camp Eureka in Yarra Junction after the demise of the Socialist Eureka Youth League in 1968. 
One of his proudest moments was when a plaque was unveiled at Camp Eureka to mark his association with the camp for over 50 years. He found time to become actively involved in the Vietnam moratoriums, Friends of the Earth, the movement against uranium mining, the Timorese liberation struggle, and was instrumental in keeping the Nunawading Library open when the local council tried to close it down. He attended numerous protest rallies and could be found either down on the ground marching with the crowd or up on a ladder setting up the sound equipment. With his friends Joan Coxage and Ken Calderduct, he co-wrote Rooted in Secrecy in 1982. They became a fawn in the side of Asia, exposing agents around the country. The activities of the group led to the passage of federal legislation that would have been seen them jail for decades in the 21st century. Harrant retired relatively early in life in 1983, becoming a permanent fixture at Community Radio Free CR, where he made a valuable contribution. When the science program he was involved in came to an end, I made sure he had a regular monthly slot on the Anarchist World this week to share his technological knowledge, know-how and experience with the audience. Using the pseudonym Ned Ludd, naming himself after the mythical 19th century Luddite Ned Ludd, he contributed 199 segments over a 17-year period. He stopped broadcasting in his 85th year, finding it impossible to get to the studio in Fitzroy, Melbourne, by public transport. Age was catching up to him. Ned Ludd's diatribes, 199 written pieces on the limitations of technology, were published in 2008 and are freely available on the internet. The 15-year-old boy who would have inevitably ended up in Hitler's extermination camps led a full and productive life in his adopted country. He was awarded the Eureka Australia Day Medal in 2006. Jerry Gerhardt William Jerry Harrant was a truly great Australian. He died of renal failure aged 92 at the Muse Aged Care Home in East Camberwell on the 27th of May 2015. He survived by his wife of 67 years, Vilma, his daughter Christine, his son-in-law Danny and his grandson Samuel. Rest in peace, Jerry Harrant. And that's what it's about, isn't it? It's about having a productive life, looking outside your own personal needs, looking at the community you live in, seeing how you can make a contribution. Because we can all make a contribution. Don't think that you can't make a contribution. We can all make a contribution. We can all make a contribution to life. We are all capable of making a contribution. And we all will make a contribution in our own way. But that's the key. The key is not to be a consumer. Not to be part of the spectacle. Not to be mesmerised by the spectacle. The key is to become involved, to become active. As public interest before corporate interest continues to say, we are the people we've been waiting for. 
We are the people we've been waiting for. As the Eureka Oath says, we swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. We have the capacity to individually and collectively change the direction of the good ship Australia. We have the capacity to dismantle the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation juggernaut which has caused so much damage in this country. We must stop complaining and start acting. Those in authority, those who exercise power, those who accumulate wealth can put up with criticism. It's of no concern to them what you call them. No concern to them whatsoever. It's of no concern to them. No concern to them. None whatsoever. All they're interested in is using you and your children and their children to promote their interests. And that's what anarchism is about, ultimately. Anarchism is about, ultimately, anarchism is about changing things. That's what it's about. It's about taking personal responsibility. It's about becoming involved. It's about understanding that you have the potential to uh, change things. But that doesn't come from carping and complaining. It comes from people working collectively, working individually, to put forward a different point of view, to march to a different drum, to highlight not only the limitations of the type of society we live in, but highlight has how we can get from here to there, how we can fill that space, how we can make ourselves relevant in a 21st century context where the only relevance you have is your ability to consume, your ability to take orders, your ability to follow rulers. We are at a critical juncture as human beings. The four horsemen of the apocalypse, the 21st century apocalypse, increasing population growth, limited resources, the domination of the world economy by an economic system based on the creation of ever-increasing profits irrespective of the human, social and environmental costs. These are issues which affect each and every one of us. Climate change as a result of human activity. And we can watch it on TV, we can watch it on YouTube, we can press a button on the internet, we can feel self-satisfied. But what changes things, and that's why we've talked about all these things today, that all these activities we're involved in, that we encourage you to join these activities. But what changes things is people taking action. Whether it's supporting people who take action, whether it's taking action yourself, whether it's becoming involved, whether it's you know listening to other people, taking a lead role, the ball is in your court. 
We can talk till the cows come home. We do every week. But the ball is in your court. Change comes from people wanting change. Hope is the marriage, is the love child of desire and expectation. The desire for change and the expectation that change will occur. So I encourage you to become involved. How you become involved is up to you. What you can do is up to you. But it is not good enough to say, I'm too old, I'm too young, I've got a job, I've got kids, I want a pension, I can't do anything. Everybody can do something if they put their mind to it. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast on the Community Radio Network. As I said before, this program has been streaming live. Unfortunately, it's pre-recorded. I'm not here. I'm not here. Guess where I am? If you can guess where I am, I'll give you a prize. A free membership of public interest before corporate interest. Not that there's any membership fees involved, so you get nothing. So, no scintillating analysis. And next week there'll be no scintillating analysis. Another pre-recorded program. And on that week I'm going to talk about a new play that I'm putting up. That's right. Isn't that fascinating? A new play. Just what the world needs. Another failed playwright putting on a new play. So that'll be it. So if you want to leave a message for me, which I'll answer in a week or so, in the next week, 0439 395 489. You can always email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. And no, I won't be answering any emails over the next two weeks because you won't be able to find me. Or you can send me a letter. And by the time I get back, it'll be there. And I can read it and send a reply. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week. And if your local community radio station doesn't play The Anarchist World this week, knock on their door. Ask them, are you part of the community radio network? If you are, you can broadcast The Anarchist World this week. If you're not, we can still organise you uh, for The Anarchist World this week to be broadcast on your local community radio station. And remember, we are the people we've been waiting for. You can't rely on the government. You can't rely on the church. You can't rely on the kid down the road. You can't rely on the queen. All you can rely on is yourself and the people around you to work collectively together to make a difference. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week, next week on your local community radio station. Next week's program again will be pre-recorded. But the first program in October will be live and up to date. And who knows, by then, it'll be very close to the canning by-election and hopefully a week or two later, Mr Abbott will no longer be the butt of your jokes. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday 
Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.